0: Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. The law of diminishing returns. That's basically a fancy way of saying as you get faster and continue to improve, it becomes harder and harder to see massive gains in your fitness. Um, So at first, a lot of people start running and they're really excited because almost every run is a PR and then PRs get harder and harder and it gets harder to become faster. And over time, your improvements might slow, and maybe they even stop completely. (laughs) So I brought on Scott Sikelski once again. Oh, my my co-host here with all the (laughs) podcast he's been doing lately, right? Um, But I brought him on to talk about this because he's been coaching for well over twenty years now, and he was also a personal trainer. So not only does he have experience. Um, With runners who experience, uh, you know, the law of diminishing returns, but also people just in other forms of fitness, you know, personal training and cycling and just other forms of physical activity. This law kind of applies to all things. So I would just love to kick it off and hear from you. When did you first discover this law of diminishing returns and how did it make you feel?
1: All right. So I will talk about it first as uh, an athlete and then as a coach a little bit. And uh, because obviously that's when you first discover it because I ran before I coached. But um, so for me, and, and some know my story, and I'll, I'll just try to get a quick version that I didn't start running until I was almost 25 and ended up joining the college cross country team, much like you did, without really knowing much about it or what it was. So I, like you just said, had a ton of gains, right? Anyway, like every race I'm hitting a PR and I'm just getting better and better because my body was, you know, not used to doing all that. I was adapting quickly and I was seeing a lot of good, good returns on my investment, so to speak. But eventually, so eventually, while I was running college cross country, I was maybe I think it was after I just got done with cross country, I decided to do my first marathon. And I basically just wanted to do that one just to kind of see, you know, how's this going to go? What's it like and all that stuff. So I ran with some people and probably and ran it nice and easy. And it was, you know, right around four hours, which at the time for me, now that would be difficult. But now that was, (laughs) at the time, it was, you know, easier. And then the next time I ran, I decided to get more serious about it. And it's going to sound like a huge improvement because I didn't really do much with the first one, but I ran like a 315. So I ran a 315. So I'm thinking, this is easy. I'm just going to keep improving. I'll qualify. I needed a 310 at the time. I'll qualify for this marathon. Boom, boom, no problem. And then, um, you know, my next one was like a 314. then it was a 316. And it was like a 318. and then So it got really, I'm kind of giving you the slow version of this, but it I got to a point where it wasn't necessarily a plateau yet, but I got to kind of where my um, abilities kind of were at at the time. So something had to change. So that's the first time I thought, okay, it's not quite so easy. I need to, now that I'm at a certain point, I'm going to have to do something differently or I'm going to have to different type of training or mileage or whatever it might be. That was the first time for me that I ever really realized it. And then obviously, as I went into coaching, you see it a lot, people that are new to the team or, or. You know, haven't been maybe around your training or whatever. You see a lot of nice gains right away, but then eventually those slow down, or even sometimes you go a little bit backwards and then forwards, and have some plateaus and those things, which are completely normal. And we'll talk about it and kind of how to 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 deal with that. But that's when I first kind of kind of realized it if that makes sense.
0: Right. No, yeah. I love how you even referred to training as like a return on your investment, which is <laughs> so cool. Because um, I like to think of it that way also. And, you know, a lot of people, it's like as you get faster you're investing more and more time and more energy and more efforts. And the return actually becomes like smaller in proportion to if you look back at what your gains used to be by not working as much. And that's why this topic is very interesting, because it's like, you know, in the beginning, it becomes very easy to improve. And then over time, you know, as you kind of get really good and you invest a lot of time and energy it's like you you might do a whole year of training to shave a couple seconds off your marathon time and that's viewed as like a good result so like, yeah yeah it's
1: gonna be hard to comprehend at first and and I was thinking about that as we were getting ready to talk I mean you think about like an elite runner and maybe how many miles they do and how much time they put in it and it could be to like improve by seconds in a 5k or 10 or 15 seconds and it could be you know just a minute or or even less or a little bit more in a marathon. So just to put in, you put in all that work as you get to a certain level and everybody's kind of, you know, we're not all elite runners, of course, but we all have that certain level you kind of reach. And then you have to realize that, okay, now it's going to be a little bit, you know, smaller gains, but you can still make them and there's still, you know, other things you can improve on besides just time as well.
0: Right. Definitely. And I, I don't think a lot of people, you know, talk about this topic too much. I think, um you know you see like massive prs on social media like someone shaves like 40 minutes off their marathon time and kind of like you said you know when you dropped from a 4 hour marathon to 315 in your mind logically i'm sure at that moment when you ran the 315 you were like well up next like easily i'm going to be able to sub 3 you know yeah um, because how would you know you don't know any better and it just it's harder and it's more of that investment and just sometimes it's just you just need more time training, you know? So like just putting in year after year of work to kind of reach that next level, um, which I think can kind of be frustrating for some athletes out there. I don't know. If oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: i myself included. And I, and I think we deal with it all the time. And one thing I always try to prepare people and I'll just, I'll try to use some examples today that I think that'll help a little bit. I had um, someone just recently, they came to us and I think this person had run like a 335 and just really wanted to break 330 and ended up running like a 321, which obviously is awesome and even better than we had both kind of hoped. But I had a conversation with her before the race and even after the race that, okay, now that you're getting to this point, you know, cause you get excited. That's something that, you know, obviously this person got very excited about. Um, it's going to be a little bit more of a slower, like we're not looking at taking another 10 minutes off. We're looking at, Start the next goal is, you know, breaking 320 or being close to 315 and then kind of taking it from that standpoint. And I think if you educate people kind of early on, it's a little less frustrating because it's just a natural thing. It's physiological. There's mental reasons. There's motivational reasons. There's circumstantial reasons. There's all sorts of reasons that can kind of cause you to plateau and, you know, have to maybe, uh, and I don't mean to keep using the word plateau, but kind of hit that diminishing return that you talked about where you're putting in the work and you're just not seeing as much as you did previously. But I think if you know this and you're listening to this and you kind of know that that's going to happen, it's a lot easier to take.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people listening, maybe it's the first time they're hearing people talk about this. I know for me, the first time I ever even heard of this topic, um, I'm pretty sure it was my husband, Jason, who brought it up. So I had only been running maybe like five or six years, but I was still seeing like, you know, I would have like seasons of like where I'd plateau a little bit, but then, you know, you break through, you get faster. And um, I was still able to improve like year after year, year over year. And like, it seemed that even though I was still getting faster, like I was still improving. Um, so I didn't really think that there was like this drastic, you know, place where you'd get where it's like, you'd um, have to work a lot harder to see the results. And then he he brought it up to me, said, Oh, you know, like it gets harder once you get faster, so don't <laughs> yeah. be disappointed. Like, because I think I wanted to break 140 and a half for you know a year or two, and then when I did, um, it's like I ran like 135, and so in my mind, I was like, well, you know, if I just did you know, I did five minutes faster than I wanted to, then the next time is gonna be even faster, and so like, unfortunately. Um, that's not always the case. And to me, when I heard him say that and bring it up, I felt like it was kind of more of like a negative Nancy sort of thing. <laughs> I just thought, right. Like I was like, well, maybe she was actually helping you and you. helping educate you. Which right.
1: Was
0: right. I think it's just bringing up the point and being aware of it. Like, we're not saying that people have like limits and that you're not able to reach the next level. Um, like. I believe like the sky's the limit as far as like your physical abilities. Um, as long as you're willing to like put in the work, like you, you never know how fast you can get, how fast you can become. So just like putting in the work and dreaming big and all that stuff, those are all really good things. But then at the end of the day, just knowing that it might take a little bit more time and a little bit more sacrifice. And if you don't see the results right away, that that's okay. And that might actually be normal. Um, so I think it's just the way that we frame it up. Like, I don't want to sound negative (laughs) talk about this, um, because I know being in the situation where you are really improving and like, you see like stars in your eyes and stuff, it can be hard when someone's like, well, it's just going to get harder.
1: Um,
0: so I definitely don't want that vibe to be coming off right now, but just sharing just kind of like the reality of. Um, some people situations can actually help because maybe you are listening and you're kind of someone who's experiencing this right now.
1: Right. I, I view this as a positive topic for us because we're, we are doing what Jason did for you. And that's kind of letting people know that this stuff could happen. It's okay. It's, it's pretty typical and normal. So when it does, it's not like what the heck happened or I did all this work and now this happened. And so much also, you know, when you're training more and you're doing more. You can get to the race day and the course is really difficult or it's super hot. I mean, there's other factors that can kind of that that lead into this as well. It's not just, you know, how you can perform as an individual. There's outside factors that will influence that as well, too. So just like you said, being patient, you know, trusting the process and knowing that if you do all those things, there's really not much more you can do um, than put in the work and do the best you can. And, you know, what is going to be is what's going to be kind of a thing.
0: Right. Yeah. I love how you said, like, some, sometimes there's those uncontrollable factors. But for me, I would always look like if I really wanted to reach the next level on my training, like, you know, hitting a plateau is one thing where you're kind of around the same times for a while. Um, and then it's just when it comes to law diminishing returns, what it means is like if you're doing the same thing over and over and you're not really like adding in a change variable or, you know, progressing your workload and paying attention to like all those little things like rest, recovery. You are naturally going to hit a place where like you're kind of staying stagnant because your body needs something to change in order for you to adapt. And so for a long time, I was stuck like at the three, three forty five, like three fifty marathon range, um, and I was just kind of going through the motions of my training. Just I knew like what I needed to do, you know, day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Like this is, these are the workouts. And then you know, it turned to year 2014, and I said, you know what, I I want to change how I'm structuring my training because I know like I'm capable of getting faster, but I just needed to make that commitment um, and put more into my training. Cause at the time it was like, you know, it's all about that return on your investment. And I was only investing so much. It's like, I had to give so much more and I didn't even really realize like how much more I needed to dedicate time for like recovery and like doing all the little things also increasing my mileage, strength training, and just being really smart about how I was training. And those are the things that really allow you to, Reach that next level. And, you know, that's what helped me get my Boston qualifier and then, you know, improve down to the three teens kind of where I'm at now. But I think there there does sometimes become a point where, you know, an athlete, we have so many other things going on in our lives where we also are going to work and we have families and all that stuff. So I think there becomes a point sometimes where the investment like you're willing to put into your training and other things in life they kind of meet somewhere and that just becomes like where your returns end right right
1: and i I really like what you said there you did a really good job of explaining like the difference with the plateauing and the law of diminishing returns and it, it makes me think of a little bit of an example too so before you know when i was done coaching college for a while there was a little spot there where i wasn't really doing any coaching but i would write some marathon programs for former athletes of mine you know, just because they asked me to or whatever. And I can think of a few people that I wrote a program for them, you know, they did well, then they just kept following that same program. Like I didn't even really continue to necessarily, I mean, I talked to them, but didn't necessarily train them or anything. They just followed the same exact plan, but maybe changed the paces a little bit or did something. And for a while they improved, you know, maybe they did that for two or three, I had several people do this. Then eventually this kind of were at the same spot. And it's like you said, they just kept doing the same thing you know, over and over same, you know, weekly, the same workouts, the same training cycle, the same everything. And eventually they had to change something if they were going to change the result. That makes sense,
0: right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I agree with everything that you're saying. Um, sometimes it is just time that we need to get faster, but sometimes doing the same thing over and over again, like expecting some sort of a miraculous fitness gain, that's not um, everything that we need. So, I think you know, as you get faster, it's important that your training kind of adjusts uh, to continue to challenge you. And, um, not only that, but just for me personally, I, I also reached a point where you know, it was like, okay, I, all I needed to do was just work harder and invest more to get faster. So I did, I did more of that. Um, and that actually led to worse results because what I was then neglecting was like the rest and recovery. So there is a fine balance there and you can't just like work yourself into the ground and expect you're going to get these results. It's, it's about, you know, finding that balance where you're challenging yourself physically and able to like hit these workouts and really challenge yourself in, in order that makes sense and that's specific to you, but then also giving your body the time that you're actually able to recover from those workouts. So that means things like, you know, sleeping eight plus hours a night and your nutrition strength training, just massages, you know, right. <laughs> those are things that like you need to do um, in order to stay healthy and feeling your best um, during a training cycle.
1: Yeah. And just re- like you said, rest and recovery in between workouts and making sure you're doing all that and not back to back to back hard workouts, long workouts, you know, to to give your body that time to adapt, because that's how we get stronger and get faster and get better, is to make sure you're doing all those little things too. And there's, obviously, once you get to that point, there's certainly ways to break out of it and change things. And you talked kind of about how sometimes in life you get busy schedules, whatever, and and there's ways to work around that and different ways to train where you can still get, you know, great results. Maybe, like you said, if you really want to reach the next level, sometimes you really got to be able to put you know 100% into it and sometimes our lives just won't let us do that um, so you have to kind of decide what's more important and kind of plan from that standpoint too
0: right yeah i think sometimes you know we get a lot of questions where people are like is it okay they run faster on my easy days or is it okay you know to split up my long run and those sort of questions are like well you know there's the answer where if you want to get faster like no i would not <laughs> run faster yep. on your easy days you know um if you want to really like nail this marathon cycle and do everything that you can in your power to you know have the best race possible should you split up your long run like no but right you know like we also understand like you're a human being so you have other things going on and running's not always going to be your number one priority right um so it's all about like risk versus reward when it comes down to that um and just figuring out like how much you want to invest in your training to see the results. Um, and I think, you know, as you, as you get faster, those things like splitting up a long run or going too fast on your easy days, um, you can't get away with that as much as you are kind of reaching that, you know, point of diminishing returns. Because it's like every little thing that you're doing um, has like a greater impact almost on your training. And, you know, one, one mess up of going too fast on an easy run, um, will really impact you a lot more than maybe it would if you are brand new to the sport. Um, it just, it's, it becomes so much more specific to yeah. what you're doing every single day. Yeah, I um, totally
1: agree. That's really well said. And I, and I think too, that's one thing that I probably get the most is when we first start working with people is having that tough time slowing down on easy runs and long runs, cause they just never have. Yep. Um, and it's a battle I'm sure you do. You face all the time. And I always <laughs> give good I have one good example that i've used before you've heard it but not everybody listens to every podcast i'll say it again really super quick and this is just to kind of show you about the taking easy days easy which i know this is not what this podcast is but um once upon a time when we just talked about i could run you know right around a 315 marathon i had a bunch of buddies that could run like 245 marathon that's pretty fast they invited me to go on a long run with them i was afraid to but i'm like i will and i like carbo loaded got all like (laughs) prepared for it. Cause I was like, I can't keep up with these guys. And they were going slower, slower than I normally do in a long run. And I asked them, and these are good friends of mine. So I could say like, you don't have to slow down because of me. And they're like, what are you talking about? And then they just went on to explain that, you know, most of our long runs, things like that, are just time on our feet real easy. So we can really nail our workouts and do these other things that are going to make us faster. And that's really when the light went on for me. And usually when people ask me that when we're, you know, training them, that's the story I give them. Um, to kind of show that hey, you know, it it really does work. It can it's really is important. So sorry. Right.
0: No, moment. I love hearing that story because I think there can be a lot there can be a lot that we can take away from that. And I think, you know, in my experience also, you know, Jason being about a two two forty six marathon PR, but you know, running with him, like some days we run easy together sometimes and he'll be like, why are you going so fast? Basically saying like, Hey, I'm not even going to run this fast. You need to chill out. Um, So I definitely think that, you know, we get this painted picture in our mind of running faster is better, but there's a time and place for when you should run fast and when you should, you know, run easy. And I think sometimes people, They look too far into their easy runs. They'll say they'll try to assess their fitness based off of them. They'll try to give meaning to an easy run. And a lot of the times it's just like meaningless, you know? Yeah, just just just,
1: putting in the miles and building up your volume. I mean, it's meaningful from a volume standpoint, but not really in the long term.
0: Right. Like, I don't think that, you know, during a marathon training cycle, if you see your easy runs getting slower, I almost would say, you know, that's probably a good sign because, you know, you're probably doing your workouts a lot faster, but um, definitely not measuring progress by easy runs at all. But I feel like we are getting (laughs) up. We
1: are. Although it does fit into the the fact that if you're talking about, when you don't want to hit this plateau, or you're doing the same thing, some of those things can be the the things you need to change. Totally. You know that like you're doing all these miles, and you're adding things on to try to improve, but then you're not taking these easier days easy. So it, it fits, I think, to some degree. But we I no, I totally on.
0: agree. I think that <laughs> I think that it does fit. And another thing, you know, when we're talking about oh, we keep your easy days easy, I know I we really like hammer that point home a lot. But another point, you know, the polar opposite of that is making sure you're keeping your hard days hard. So, like, doing the right workout, staying in the right pace ranges, and not, like, switching things up or going, you know, too fast or too slow. I mean, the workouts that you're given are very specific to, like, your goals and what you're training for. Um, and I know for me, there was a period of time where I would just, you know, any workout that I got, if I didn't like it or if I wanted to, like, just adjust paces or like race a workout. I mean, I would do some weird things with workouts at times um, that I think a lot of people fall victim to, like they want to see, well, I really want to, you know, run this tempo faster than my last one, even though the pace says not to, or, you know, you just get in these like weird, like fixations on your workouts, um, or just completely like switching a workout or changing the day based on the weather, all those sorts of things are things that I think hold people back um, from reaching their potential for sure. Yeah. Um, so at what stage and like what point in a runner's journey, do you think that someone would hit um, an area where the returns become a little bit smaller and it maybe starts to like affect motivation?
1: Yeah. So I think you, you it's probably hard, obviously to put a number on it. I couldn't say, well, you run for one year and then it's going to happen. <laughs> But, you know, and I'm, I'm not I'm trying to be funny, but it's like, there's no way to know that. But I think once you get to a certain point where you're racing a little bit more, running a little bit more, and you you can see those, those times are kind of starting to be a little bit more similar, I think. And it doesn't mean it's even necessarily happening, but to put a time on it would be very difficult. I, I think for me, it took, you know, four or five years, you know, for it to really get yeah. there. But I wasn't real serious about, I switched distances, too. So that's a difference, too. And I think, you know, for some people I see it happen, you know, quite quickly, some, you know, not as much. And I, I think it can it can really vary. I'd be curious to, to for your input on that, because I just think it's it's really like a lot of things when it comes to running is every it's individual and it just kind of depends on what they've been doing you know, prior to and, and leading up to. And it. It, it could take a long time. It could be if someone comes to you and they're kind of already an established runner, it could be shorter. It's it's hard to say. So it's a tough one to answer.
0: Yeah, it really, it does vary a lot. I think, you know, hitting like your first plateau, like with your running, just from my experience coaching people over the years, I think comes within the first, maybe like one to to two years, but the plateau might only take a couple months to break through. Like, it's not a real plateau. You're right. Um, So I don't think that that's when it is, but I I do think maybe around like your four to five, there's definitely, um, some, some time there where this starts to affect people where, you know, the, it's getting harder to get faster, you know, maybe, whereas you were once running massive PRs. Now you're just hoping to, you know, shave a couple seconds off or a few minutes. Um, but I think it's like over time, it just sort of happens and you see it happening, you know, maybe it's, You go from five hours to four hours in the marathon, then four hours to like 3.45, and then 3.45 to like 3.39, and then it's just, uh, yeah, it gets, it's less and less dramatic. Um, With that being said, like you said, there's no way of knowing exactly, there's no formula, but I think around five years in is a good ballpark where you might be feeling this sort of stuff.
1: Yep, and I think, you know, one thing you made me think about that when I was thinking four to five years, that's what a about what it felt like for me I think about like when I coached college I've had high school runners come who had already been running for like four years because a mm-hmm. lot of times they'd kind of hit it during that time and we'd have to kind of figure out ways to do things differently and and kind yeah. of do it that way because they're already an established runner and sometimes we get brand new runners and this is kind of so it's kind of all over the board how, how long that journey might take and it might not we're not saying it happens for sure either um but at some point you know you're probably going to not see the the same gains you you once did.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I remember back to cross country when, you know, there was a bunch of people who ran in high school on the team. And I was always like really intimidated by the fact that, well, they they have like so much of our potential or like they're so much better of a runner. Uh, But like you said, you know, I didn't understand, like they were also battling against the fact that they have so much under their belt already that in order to see the same types of gains, they might have to work you know, harder or do something more drastic with their training. Whereas me being kind of newer to the sport, I didn't have to do anything too dramatic to see really good results. And I think yep. we saw that time and time again. I mean, Becca Jordal was never a runner. Um, she was a soccer player and then she went on to become a national champion in the 5k or right. 10k or I don't remember. In
1: uh, 5k third, the 10k.
0: Wow! yeah, <laughs> yeah so it that's stuck it in the
1: indoor 5k. So and that's, well, and this we're talking about, um, like her first time she ran a 5k indoors. And by this time, she had ran a couple years across country, but she ran like a 1642. So kind of, <laughs> you know, a different kind of person, but she but right away when she came same thing, like you just talked about, she was new to it. And she saw a lot of improvements right away. But it, and this is actually a great example. And I'm glad you brought it up. Because she kind of got there quickly because she had a lot of ability that she just didn't know was there. And she did play soccer for a lot of years, but within like one or two years, we kind of hit a spot where we had to figure out, okay, races became almost more strategic and about placing than time because she kind of got to a spot where it was a little harder to improve because she improved in such a short amount of time. That's a super good thing you brought up.
0: Well, right. And I mean, I just think the fact physiologically, you know, when you look at all the the top women and, the sport of running it it like I think just performance wise um like just reaching your physical limits of your body even she was one of the what national champs so she was the best in the nation um for a d3 runner (laughs) and I think there becomes a point where it's like maybe you know the diminishing returns it's like one second is a it's it's still a gain like a big gain from that perspective and i think it just becomes so much harder to take time off when you are like already just so fast um i don't even know how people like at the olympic level and like the professional level i mean it just must be insane like how how hard every second is to you know, shave out off. But I think, you know, getting to this point of looking at Becca, like national champion, um, D1 or D3 runner, do you think that there is a limit to how fast people can get? And like, how do we find those limits?
1: Yeah, that, and that's a super good question. And I think, I mean, everybody, you know, genetically and, and physiologically, all those things you have, at some point there's a threshold that, you know, maybe you can get, seconds faster but to continue to improve a lot there's there's got to be a point where you get to that you just it's really hard to get past it and I think that's what a lot of people are still chasing and still do it but if even if you watch you know look at look at elite runners like you just talked about they get to a point where they're working you know 120 miles a week they're doing all these things for seconds and so so to Mm -hmm. answer your question I do think you get there what that is and when just like we talked about a minute ago, that's probably impossible to say, but certainly see people get to a certain level and, you know, that's like genetically, I'm, and I'm not sure, I'll never know. I think I got, I got about as fast as I could in a marathon, and I don't know that if any amount of training would have gotten me, I mean, maybe a minute or two, but I think for the most part, where I am genetically physiologically, mentally, you know, the ability to push yourself. There's a lot of factors. Um, Yeah. Those factors were kind of there for me because I've actually done max VO2 tests and you'll probably giggle when you hear this, but did it twice where I was actually at like an elite level max VO2, but (laughs) I'm not an elite runner by any stretch. And a lot of it, cause there's still, there's biomechanics, there's, you know, the mental side of it, there's all those different things that I couldn't perform at that level. Um, Wow. But I tested twice, you know, for, you know, lower level, but kind of, (laughs) I was up there. So if you looked at that test, you'd say, oh, this dude should be running a lot faster. But, you know, I was doing the best I could for for myself. But to answer you, I'm getting off tangent again, but um, to answer your question, I I think it's it's hard to say, but I do think there's a limit at some point. I mean, it'd be hard to be like someone's a 245 marathon for like five years and all of a sudden they run a 235. That's probably not necessarily going to happen. Not saying it can't. Um, Right. Other factors that. Maybe it could, but I I think there is a limit. So my answer would be yes.
0: Yeah, I love how you definitely brought up like the various points that kind of go into that question and one that really is standing out, like as we're discussing, you know, the limits of the human body is just like that mental piece. And I think that that is so huge where, like you said, just pushing through in those later miles of a marathon, like sometimes, honestly, you know, I, I look back to some of my marathons and I'm just like, did I just like, it's like part of my brain, like didn't want it or like didn't care. It's very hard for me personally to like grit something out for that long. Like I, maybe I get bored or something. And I think that's definitely like a weakness yeah. mentally for me. And I don't think a lot of people talk about that, but I mean, even besides that, there's a lot of other stuff going on mentally where it's like, I don't know. I, I think just the mental focus that you have to have to really grit out, like your potential in the marathon is so high. That's what I mean. Like I have so much respect for people who really run to their potential in the marathon. It's just like, it's amazing. Cause I know like how much mental grit it takes to do that. Um, but then like you said, other factors like genetics, um, even like your lifestyle factors. So, yep. you know, you might want to, like you were saying, these elite elite marathoners are putting in 120 miles a week and that really like put it in perspective, like, Whoa, hearing that is crazy. Like they're running 120 miles a week to take seconds off their time. So it's like, we're not even doing probably half of that. right? Um, so I just think there's, there's a limit to how much we can put in and still like provide for our families and like have enough energy to like make it through the day and not like lose our job and all that stuff. Um, So there's so many other factors that are going on. So I think, I think like we aren't able as recreational or competitive runners to ever really like touch what our true physical limits are. Like had we have been like picked up by, Oh, like you get to like go train with all of these super fast runners full time. And that's your job. Like, I think we'd never really know how fast we could get because just like our environment isn't allowing us to 100% like reach that potential. But I think a lot of people, you know, they, they have a lot of potential and it just comes down to if you're willing to, you know, put in the work year after year, you know, over time and make the sacrifices to get there. Right,
1: I think about that too. Like you just said, had I not had a job and <laughs> could I just do that? Right. <laughs> Things maybe have been a little bit different and so many factors happen. Like when I ran my 311, I was on track to run a 305 with two miles to go. I ran a 640 from mile 23 to 24. My hamstring just went. Yeah. And if that doesn't happen, you know, it's easier to say what it could have, should have, but I feel very confident I would have ran around that. So my ability, I feel like, was still a little bit better than I ran. But for whatever reason, my body just kind of, always landed right around that that same time and I was putting right. in a lot of effort and a lot of time for what I could um so that's a good point when we were you know preparing for this podcast I just moved a little bit like law diminishing returns and running and ended up kind of in a little bit of a rabbit hole on um let's run.com and they were talking about oh, 160 miles a week I'm like that's oh. 22 miles a day oh you know and whether or not it's worth it and, and people are talking about yeah you might only see you know a little bit of gain but it's worth it I'm like whoa So obviously, (laughs) most of the people are listening, myself included, we're nowhere near that kind of, that's just a different stratosphere. But (laughs) I read that and it was like, wow. Um, I didn't even know that was a thing. So
0: yeah, I mean, that's crazy. I I don't know how people (laughs) run that much. But like you said, they say, they probably even say, you know, I know it's a lot, but it's worth, you know, those extra couple seconds. And that's really what it boils down to um for some people but another thing I also want to talk about because I know this has kind of been like marathon focus when we're talking about reaching your potential yeah. but also like just speed wise you know I used to think you know I was pretty speedy but I've I've done like some 200 meter repeats on the track and you know Ben Jacobs like bless his heart he's given me mm. some workouts where he's like yeah I think at the end like just do a 200 meter repeat like sub sub 35 and I, that's like a 70 seconds, which I don't even know what that is for pace. I think it's just under five-minute pace. Maybe. Yeah, I was going
1: to say it's like 450,
0: something like which that. Which doesn't sound that like high. so like fast like I wouldn't be able to do it, right? But I physically have never in my life been able to run a uh, 200 under, you know, 35 seconds. And right. so uh, – it just, it's like no matter how hard I tr- I'm trying, like my legs don't physically <laughs> turn over. And I think for some people, like that threshold might be uh, like even slower, right? Like, some maybe right. you physically can't do a 40 second 200. Or so I f- think
1: 45 or 50, right, for- <laughs> like I would be in that 40 range. Like, I remember doing them, I'm like, you want me to do it under what, um, right? And doing the math in my head, that's a 440 mile.
0: it is four forty. okay because I was gonna say I think I've done one under five minutes but never yeah so like the 4.40 yeah I don't I don't know it's just it's fast and then I see you know some of these other kiddos (laughs) they're whipping by they're doing like 32 32nd 200s but it's like if you put us in you know a marathon or even a 5k race like I would still win but I just don't have the ability to turn my legs over and I think maybe that comes down to like a strength training thing you know like maybe I I just never like built the muscle mass to do that in my youth or something but I think there is like that raw speed ability you know someone who maybe is able to just run faster naturally because their body can handle it I'm not really sure right like
1: slow twitch versus fast twitch muscles and you can develop your fast twitch muscles to some degree but some just have more than others have have more slow, more fast. And if you look at like people are doing the 400 or the 200, they obviously have a lot of fast twitch muscles and can do that where my body, it, that's just not happening No, like, right. I train <laughs> for the rest of my life. And, you know, I'm not going to be a sprinter and it's just genetically, that's what I was given. And when we do plans for people, you know, we're talking about, you know, kind of faster paces, but it's really based on what you can do and where you're at. And for you speed, you know, for someone out there, speed might be doing a minute. For uh, you know, right. two hundred or whatever, and that's totally fine. It's just all kind of uh, aimed towards trying to get you personally a little bit faster. But getting back to that, yeah. So it's slow twitch, fast twitch. It's it's so it's a little bit. I'll never have that. And I I do say I coached you when you're in college, and you had some speed. Um, oh yeah. I mean, you were new to it, but you could see it that you have like. I would never say that I have speed. I just, I'm just picking on me, so I'm not picking on someone else. Right?
0: There. right. Like no. years,
1: I could pick on, but I won't. But uh, you have definitely had potential to have some speed I'm not saying you're a sprinter but you could definitely right. I knew you yeah were faster one day
0: right and that's kind of what I'm saying is like I I thought I did maybe have a little bit of speed there you know obviously <laughs> but at the same time I I see people where it's like they have so much more than me and I'm always like oh my gosh like you you could be such a good like long distance runner too because when you see that like raw speed potential there you just know like their body has to be super efficient and if they like put in the work and all the training like how fast they could be at the long distance events. I always just like fantasize about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: funny. Yeah. But I guess that kind of brings up a good point. Cause you were talking about how, you know, we write chain plans for some people and, you know, obviously some people running eight minute pace is like literally a full out sprint. And I've watched other people, you know, do workouts as, as a coach. I mean, you watch people do workouts all the time and it's kind of like, it's crazy to see where that max speed is for some people, right? Like that raw, like how fast can you go all out? Um, yep. It really varies from person to person. I've seen people do, you know, like eight, nine minute pace. That's their like sprinting pace, and it just, you know, everyone's body's different. And of course, you can improve on that a little bit over time. But I think there's there's obviously a point where it's like you can't really go any faster. Yep, and just and all out sprint. Yeah. <laughs>
1: right. Just genetically, we were given what we were given, and some people were given that a genetic gift where they can. Go fast, no problem. Some people are, you know, a little bit on the other end of that. And it's the, the good news is, and that's the whole thing, you know, why we run for PRs is so great is that you can improve on you, you know, not worrying about what you're seeing on Instagram or what other people are doing or what pace they're going, you can improve on your pace. And there's ways for you to, you know, have a great experience and race well and do all those things. So That's one of the things I love about it. There's so many different people and different levels, but you're still the goal's the same you know right. to improve and to enjoy it and uh, have fun and you know see results and all those things
0: right it's definitely to like reach your own potential and challenge yourself personally and I know sometimes it can be hard looking at other people and seeing like what their max is and realizing like yours is different but I think just staying in your own lane and it, it, there's success for everyone right so like just yeah. someone else is hitting their goals that doesn't mean like you're not going to it's it's not like scarcity right like it's not like just because someone else just got their goal doesn't mean like you're not going to get yours it just means you know like let's celebrate them like every there's an abundance of success out there we just need to celebrate everyone (laughs) and make sure that we realize like when someone else hits their goal that just means like you also can too right it's not like oh it's yeah so I think just celebrating success and being aware that everyone's different um, and that everyone's story is going to look a little bit differently Um, but I guess another question that comes to mind and maybe some people listening are wondering because you know like Boston qualifying that's really like a big goal for a lot of runners Um, and as someone who's qualified themselves uh, I just thought it would be an interesting to hear your perspective as a coach do you think that most people um, just given, you know, like their whole running career, like 20, 30 years of running, do you think that they could achieve the Boston qualifying standards?
1: Yeah. So that's another one that's definitely very individual. I mean, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people, it kind of depends on where they're at in their current running that I would have to look at it and say, okay, yes, I think this person has potential. I mean, for some people, because the standards are getting so much more difficult, I think that answer is getting a little bit more towards, it it would be very hard to say anyone could because that's why it's challenging and that's why it's there and that's why they have time limits and sometimes we just have things that are out of our control that it's going to be harder for us to ever run you know near those times um so to definitively say yep i think anyone can I, i don't think that's a very good statement um to make because i think there's just too many factors to consider i mean i've had people you know that are i've seen it i mean i've seen people go from 445 to you know a 330 over like a 10-year period or eight-year period and and be able to do it, but it takes a lot of time, a lot of dedication, all those things we've talked about already on the podcast with, you know, genetics and physiologically and all those things need to be in place. So to me, that's a tough one to definitively say, yep, um, I think everyone can, because it's it's certainly getting more and more difficult. Like, I'll be honest, like right now for my age, I think I'd have a really tough time um, doing it. Right Um, Now, it doesn't say I can't, I'm not saying I can't, but I still think knowing what I know about my own body and running to where I'm at as a 50 year old. I just think it would be, now there is one thing to consider. If you continue to run and wait until you get a little older, it does slow down a little bit. Um, but so do we. So <laughs> it's a right. tough to answer that question. I, I feel like this is a negative answer, but um, it's, I'm just trying to be truthful that I think it's hard, you know, if it's a six hour marathon or it's probably going to be hard to get down to a 3:30. I mean, right if I'm being realistic
0: right yeah no totally I I love your answer because I think a lot of people listening can they kind of already like have that mindset like you know not everyone can and it just gives like a really realistic view of like what it what it would take to get there and like you said you know a six hour six seven hour marathoner oh yeah you can get there but I think really just looking at it from like the perspective of like physiologically, you know, a healthy person and all the like stars line, like physically able body, like all that stuff, and they do the work. I think they can come close to the standards <clears throat> for sure, um, in my opinion. But I guess it all boils down to then: are they willing to make the sacrifices to get there? And I kind of view it as, uh, you know, let's say you wanted to become a doctor or like make a million dollars right like those are two <laughs> things that i think a lot of people would realize like holy crap like that would take a lot of work to do either one of those yep. things um and i definitely think that most people that, <laughs> that they really wanted it and like they were driven and all that stuff physically able like all that stuff could achieve like either one of those things like is it going to be easy by no means will it be easy yeah. right like I couldn't imagine becoming a doctor because like the desire it would just be so overwhelming for me um and it would just be like one step at a time right and I think that's the biggest thing is you know when you are a six-hour marathoner it's kind of like someone who just graduated from high school being like yep I'm gonna become a doctor it's like holy crap like whoa well, that's gonna take yeah. you a seven really years long time. Yeah.
1: that's right. a great so- analogy though
0: yeah Um, yeah I like it I like the
1: way you put it it makes me feel like my answer was not good but um (laughs) no I think it was good
0: because it was realistic because I think a lot of people can relate to like what you were saying and and I can even relate to what you're saying because you are being realistic about it. And I think looking at it from like the perspective of it's like going to trying to get into med school or like trying to become a lawyer. um, Those kind of give you uh, an idea of like, yes, it's possible. But like, do you want to put yourself through all of that? Cause we all know that those things are very challenging. And I don't think, you know, when people qualify for Boston or, you know, they, they show the picture on Instagram and they're saying, Oh, I want to qualify for Boston. It sounds really like sexy and it sounds really, Oh, like this is, going to be so not easy but it's glamorous and they're glamorizing it when you know the reality is like it's a lot of hard work and like sacrificing things and it almost has to become your life and i'm sure anyone that's you know gone through a rigorous academic program or like built a business or whatever they would tell you like there are days where like you're going to want to quit you're going to question everything and just having the ability to persevere through all that and see that somehow at the end, you know, your decade of work, you're going to reach a point where you qualify. But then even to say, you know, doctors and lawyers, they go to school all those years and you know, you're not guaranteed a job at the end of it, right? (laughs) Like you're not guaranteed a a marketplace where everything's going to be perfect. So I think, you know, it's, it's a delayed gratification for sure. Um, which is interesting that we're talking about this because I wanted to talk about delayed gratification on this podcast also. Yep. Um, because I think, you know, with social media and everything, I mean, you, when you were in your peak marathoning, how did that work <laughs> with like, there was no social media or like, how would you kind of like get your, your gratification of your PRs
1: yep, from, from telling people? And I really think, cause I know that one thing we think about, like when every time I've done a marathon and maybe we're going to talk about this, I don't know. I, you know, I love the process. We've talked about that, but during the marathon, I might be like, oh, this is really hard. Why am I doing this? I don't think I'm going to do this again. And then within like a couple of days, I'm like signing up for the next one. And I think a big reason for that, at least for me, and I'll just be, you know, I'm going to sound like an egomaniac, (laughs) but part of it was, I love, you know, people asking me about it. How's training going? How's your time going? to go going, wow, I could never run that or that's awesome. And you kind of feed off of that. And whether that's super healthy or not, I don't know. But back in, back in the day, that's what it was. And we've talked about it before. I was a smoker. I lost weight and people start telling you, you look good. My times are getting faster. And, you, you know, it's not like I just sat around and talked about it all the time. But when people ask, it kind of feeds that, like, I want to be able to say good things. So I better run well. So I don't have to say, well, I didn't do so great. Um, or things like that so for me to be completely honest and transparent that's where (laughs) it was for me back then because we did not have Facebook or or any of those things you know when I was first kind of doing this I'm really dating myself but now obviously that's all you see is people posting that stuff and like you said a moment ago that can lead to to other problems where you're always comparing yourself to others but for me to get back to your question it was Really, the gratification was just telling people, people asking. They did put results in the paper, but obviously, who's <laughs> maybe <laughs> only a handful of people are seeing it or people that you know or people that ran or, or whatever. So it was different. Um, but there's still – there's ways to do that, and, and you it's just more verbally than social media.
0: Right, which is really interesting because, you know, you were talking about how y- your coworkers or friends, people would ask you um, – would they ask you, like, how is training going? Or was it mainly, yep. like, okay –
1: so how's training going for the marathon? You getting excited and, and, you know, some people are obviously knowledgeable about it. Some people, you might be running a 5k and they, they would say, how's marathon training going? Cause they, do, right. they just don't know the difference and that stuff still happens, but uh, yeah, they would ask, how's it going? You know, how are you feeling about it and, and that kind of thing, especially cause I worked in a fitness center, you know, mm. for a lot of those years and I coached for a lot of those years. So, um, it was people obviously that knew a little bit more about that and would ask and, and obviously, I would talk about it, and they'd see me training, or I would tell friends, I can't do this because I'm going to do a training run, or whatever it was. So, it was a big part of my life for a long time. I mean, it still obviously is. But right. The running portion was a bigger part at one time.
0: Well, it's just so interesting, like thinking about when you were really into it, like how there was no social media. And I just like, it's so interesting to hear your perspective because it's thinking like how different it is now for someone like if you were to be doing that now and I think you know living in the age of social media they've even done studies on like the dopamine effects in the brain of like every time you get a like and all that sort of stuff and I think you know even for people who don't post their workouts or whatever on Instagram or on Facebook there's still like Strava like that whole thing where people can like your run or right or you know, garment like, whatever. right yeah. like there's so many apps and I started running in 2010 ish 2011 so like people didn't really post workout related stuff I mean or people maybe did but you didn't get likes like not enough people like no one cared like no one was sharing that stuff first of all right. second of all there weren't enough people on social media it wasn't a thing so for me, it was like it was more like an internal gratification, maybe. And then I think as the years went on, um, really when things took a big like hit on social media, when I really got more followers, was probably like 2016, <clears throat> which is really interesting because it actually ended up being my worst running year. Um, like I didn't run faster in any events. Like I blew up in almost every race. I was just really hard on myself. But I think a lot of it was like the pressure of like so many people watching or just like never getting a delayed gratification for the work I was putting in so it was always just like oh every day like I was getting the gratification of like people liking my Strava or like people liking my social media and so it just made race day like not really special and it was just it was it's weird and I think you know maybe some people listening can relate to that. Um, but I, I really liked it before it got you know too blown up when you're able to just do your own thing and just enjoy it for yourself. Because when you're yeah. doing it like for the wrong reasons, um, which can be really easy to do, like you said, you liked it when people like asked you about it, which is great, and I think that's totally fine and healthy. But like, there becomes a point where I think it's like some people maybe cross over the line where it becomes they're doing it only for that reason yeah, or exactly. that reason outweighs why they're doing it for personal reasons. And I think, you know, on a small scale like you back in 2006 or whatever, I don't think like <laughs> you could have reached that scale because it's like, you didn't know enough people, but now it's like, people who have like thousands of followers. Well, now it's hard to tell, like, are we doing it for this reason or that? It's like the, the tables have kind of shifted how you can weigh things, which is, Really That's weird. Very
1: different world for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I think it's just good to be aware of and like making sure like you're setting goals that you want to achieve for yourself and not to, you know, impress other people or try to put on a facade and all those sort of things.
1: Right. And remember why you did it in the first place. We all started running for some reason you right. know, I did it to lose weight and some people do it for this or. And then sometimes we. We'd start for one reason and all of a sudden we get wrapped into another one. we like, oh, I really want to call for, for Boston or I want this time or I want to do this. And we kind of forget why we did it in the first place and why we started and why we loved it. Because we obviously fell in love with it and that's what drove us. And, you know, the results or whatever it might have been that drove you to, to just remember that and just to have that balance to not let it take over. You know, you still have a family, you have friends, you have other things. And I can speak from experience. When I first started, I really got into it. And we talked about this in the last, last podcast. My friends got sick of hearing about it. They're like, <laughs> I'm tired of hearing. I don't care how far you ran or what you, <laughs> or what you had. In. And, and it was eye-opening. It was good friends of mine who just said, dude, stop talking about it. And I get what they mean now because I do have you know people that that's all they talk about and just always try to steer them towards you know a little bit of balance when it comes to that. So that's a good point you made. And it's certainly it's different for me to be on Instagram and to see it just because it's not something – A lot of people kind of are now growing up with it when I did not grow up with that. I grew up with no cell phones and you biked over to see someone or you, you know, did those things. So it was a little bit of a different world. So I'm kind of seeing, seeing all sides of that.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's funny because maybe social media allows people a place where they can, kind of share some of their run stuff and they don't have to tell all their friends in person, you know. So I was like, oh, that's kind of funny that maybe it maybe it helps cut down on some of that. But yeah. at the same time, I i think like you said, just remembering why you started and understanding you're doing it for you and like the reasons why you started, you know, everyone has that like feeling and emotion tied to when they first yeah. started and their love for it. So just like never forgetting that is super important. Um, but yeah, I love how you also talked about how you were a little bit like obsessive with with running, you know, in the beginning beginning and I think you know anything that we're really passionate about we really like to talk about a lot but for me I always try to look at it of like okay not everyone wants to hear about like my running like sometimes just talking about someone else's running um kind of gets me feel like I I get like equally as excited now and I know like when I was really into it like in 20 2012 13 14 probably even 15 I would talk about my own running like all the time in person. Like that's all I talked about. Like after a race, like it would be seven <laughs> hours straight of me. Yeah. Like just da, 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 da,
1: da. I wish and I, I would have done like, this. I should have like, done that. Now I can...
0: well, seriously. And no one really cares. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, and no
1: exactly. Cares. And it's important to point out too. I think that um, there's a lot of positives too, with it, with Instagram and things where you're supporting other people, you're people are proud of themselves. You're seeing what they, they they've gone through and what they're doing. And, and and some of that stuff can be really awesome it's just like kind of putting it in perspective of how much is too much and are you doing it for the healthy and the right reasons but there's certainly positives to it too oh yeah And with people supporting each other and doing that too but
0: yeah and i mean like i still post all the time but i try to like be really careful about like i used to post at like immediately after every single run um more just because i like wanted to like grow my account grow my coaching business and everything but it turned into me like getting this instant gratification after my run. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, everyone liked my run or whatever. I know it sounds like super dumb, but like really dopamine, that's how it works. Like you see all the likes and you're like, Whoa. And it makes you want to like do it again. Um, But so then I was getting that associated like with my runs and not like what I was posting. It was, it was very weird. So now I try to like, you know, post more as like a reflective like how can i influence people um or like how not not in like a bad way like in a good way obviously like how can i help people get through like maybe they're going through a hard time or i try to just reflect on my thoughts a little bit more rather than just like posting my run with you know some whatever right i did right because then you can have a better impact on people anyways you know
1: i agree And and that's really to me what coaching is all about is we've learned a lot you know and i've been doing it for like 25 years you've been doing it for a long time now you you learn from things and you want to help people and when you're either posting about it or commenting on someone else's run it's nice cuz we've probably been there and made some of the same mistakes or had some of the same setbacks or whatever it might be um that you can really kind of positive spin it that way too or you're helpful and i think that's a lot of what coaching is is we've learned from either you know my own trial and error trial and error with athletes that i've coached and Things that have worked really well, things maybe not so great, and and just trying to put that upon people. I feel like I'm incredibly going on tangents today.
0: No, I feel like like this podcast <laughs> has totally turned down like it the has. social media spiral. But I feel like we're gonna do a separate podcast on social media and like how it might affect your training like later. So maybe we'll yeah. there's a little sneak peek, right? <laughs> What's to come. Um, but I guess like another thing, like we were talking about how we always rambled on about our training and our long runs and all that stuff, like how we liked all that attention kind of like really into it. Um, I guess that kind of stems back to like another question of are people ever really satisfied or happy with their results?
1: You know, this is a fun question. <laughs> um, cause, cause I think in a lot of times, no, I mean, cause even <laughs> like myself, When, when you, when you get done with a race, even when you PR you had a great time, you can always pick something apart
0: and Mm -hmm. say, I should have done
1: this. Or what did just like, what did I just say about 20 minutes ago? I ran a three eleven, which was my lifetime PR qualified for Boston. And I'm complaining. I should have ran a three Oh five. Yep. Um, you know, never (laughs) satisfied. And when I coached college, it was almost, you know, sometimes people would be really happy, but for the most part, always kind of, I could have done better or what's next or, And it's just kind of that mentality that you want to, you know. And I'm not saying that I never, because sometimes I see people that are just thrilled with whatever happens and they're joyful about it. But for the most part, I think it's it's we're we're probably our own hardest critics, and that uh, people are are not. You always think you can do a little bit better. That's my answer. I'm right.
0: No, I totally agree with you. I think there becomes a point where maybe people are, like, so wise and mature where, like, maybe they don't care. But I think for the most part, like, the second you cross the finish line, even if you hate your A goal or, like, beyond. Like, I've had races where it's, like, I ran faster than I ever thought I was going to. And then the second thought, you know, like, first you're, like, oh, my God, that was amazing. Like, best race ever. And the next thought is just, like, you can run faster now. Or, like, (laughs) your next (laughs) race, you're going to go even faster. (laughs) Yeah. so weird how it's like you hit the goal and almost simultaneously it's just like just think about what's gonna happen next <laughs> yeah but
1: I think it's a very natural human reaction and I'm sure there's probably some science behind it but just you always are kind of driven to grass is always greener on the other side and what's gonna what can I do better and even in the races I've done that are the best I'll be like oh if I would have just done this up that hill or if I would have just passed this person there and it, that's not always great <laughs> to be that self-critical but to answer your question, I think a lot of times we are not totally satisfied.
0: Oh yeah, totally. I think a lot of people can agree with that. And I mean, it just kind of sums back to a lot of things in life. You know, some people it's just they want they like that pursuit of you know it's like you always want to you always want to get a raise at work, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're never gonna say no. Like you're never right. gonna say, I'm satisfied. <laughs> like yep. um, no That's matter what. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So many analogies today. But I think, you know, it comes down to do you think that sometimes people are just addicted to the chase and the pursuit of becoming better and maybe they don't actually really like running. They just like that act of running so that they can feel like they're getting better at something.
1: Yeah. And I think there's some people like that. I think, again, I'll use myself. I was once like that. I was more about chasing the, the goal and the time than anything, especially when I was going after Boston. That was like the only thing I wanted to do. And it took me like five or six tries. And obviously you're talking months and months in between each try um, so for me that's kind of what drove me and but I, I you see that a lot that people that's what just kind of keeps driving them is that either the process or the the opportunity to have that feeling of the great PR or to have that great experience of everybody going oh wow great job or whatever it is and it might be we you, you know sublim- we don't even know what's happening and um, but I do think that drives you a lot
0: Oh, yeah. No, I I feel like I'm definitely addicted to that, like, pursuit and uh, always getting faster. You always want to be better, too. Um, And I guess I never really realized, like, how bad it was or, like, openly admitted that that's why (laughs) I like running. But I love just, like, being able to see improvements. And I'm such a numbers person, you know, being an accounting background and stuff and being able to, like, see, you know, the times getting faster, like, you feeling stronger, like, I'm so addicted to that. And I think right. that that can be difficult at times because it's like, you know, being pregnant, you know, a couple of years ago, it was hard for me to like stay motivated because every day, every week, every month, you're getting slower and it's getting harder. And I was like, this is dumb, but, <laughs> you know, um, it, and then it even like the whole, I mean, there becomes times in your training where you hit periods of like stagnation or like a plateau or whatever. Um, you're not always going to see those improvements like every day or like every training cycle. And so I think, you know, this whole conversation has been really interesting because it goes into, you know, the whole concept of diminishing returns and how sometimes you just really have to be patient or like change a variable. Yep. Um, because, you know, that's the thing is we're all addicted to like the chase and the pursuit. But I guess even for people who maybe are in periods of, like, becoming a master's runner and, like, their fastest times may be behind them or, you know, people who are just under different circumstances where they're they're not wanting to PR, um, do you think it can become difficult when an athlete hits a period of stagnation?
1: Oh, for sure. And I I get it all the time. Like, people, like, I'm just not feeling it the way I used to or... I'm just not motivated and, you know, what can I do and how do you break out of it? And, and that kind of thing. And I've certainly, now that I've been running, you know, for a quarter of a century, I can't believe that idea just popped into my head oh my that <laughs> for that long that, you know, I've gone through periods of that for sure of like, just not the motivation's not there, or I'm just feeling like it's kind of not the same thrill that it used to be, or like you said, mm. it's stagnant or whatever it is. And just doing something, maybe it's I got to take a step back or I, for me, I usually will do something that's, it'll sound maybe counterintuitive, but I'll actually like sign up for a race because that usually motivates me because mm. I don't do them a lot anymore. And maybe I'll sign up for a 5k or something that'll get me excited and kind of get me into that feeling, even if I don't even tell anybody about it and I'm, that I'm doing it or whatever, um, those types of things. But for sure, I mean, y'all go, you, if you do it long enough, you're going to go through it at some point. Um, I think. I mean, there's some people I think that just love it all the time, never kind of go there, and that's great. But for the most part, I think we all have those. those you know, after a marathon or after a big 5K or whatever it is, where you, or just you've done it for years and years and years, and your your body and mind just need a little bit of time away or a different approach or whatever it mm-hmm. might be. Yeah, no answer to say yes. Totally agree.
0: <laughs> I think, like you said, you know, you've been running for a long time now and it's like you have to find other ways to maybe motivate yourself because I think you know like how we were talking about you have to remember why you started running and you know for me I I kind of yeah. started running because I liked seeing those improvements and so yep. when you don't see them anymore I guess for me it's like I try to track progress like in other ways or I, I try to like convince myself that there's other ways that you can see improvements in yourself besides just hitting a certain pace like maybe you feel better or like maybe you know for me this winter like mentally tougher going outside or just there's other ways to like see it in yourself besides um, just the strict numbers basis which Mm -hmm. is a good thing for people to think about you know for sure. Um, yeah, so I think we've kind of covered a lot of um, the law of diminishing returns, and definitely some like little nuggets for our next podcast that we might be doing in January about uh, the effects of social media on your training. So hopefully, people will stay tuned for the next couple episodes. We might be taking a two-week break here with the holidays, and then we're going to ramp back up into some podcasts again starting in January. So thank you so much for talking to me today, Skelly. And if you're you guys, welcome, Yeah. if you guys have any questions, or you want to work with any of us here at Run for PRs, you can visit our website at www.runforprs.co. Uh, fill out the form there. You can also have a seven day free trial. Thanks.